This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Evan Havens and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. And if you were here last week, I started a two-part series called Whose Is It Anyway? And what we're talking about is who do I belong to? Who do my things belong to? Who do my children belong to? Who does my money belong to? And if you turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 24, that question is answered for us. And this is one of the scriptures that we looked at last week. Psalm, chapter 24, and verse 1. It says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. And what that means is the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, and the world is the Lord's and all of the people in it. So I am not my own. The Bible says I was bought with a price, and that price was paid by Jesus. And then it says to honor God with my body. So I am not my own, I am God's. But then this verse takes it further and says everything is God's. My finances are his. My kids are his. My family is his, my things are his, my house, my cars, everything that I say I own, they're his. And the Bible says, and we looked several places last week, several places through the New Testament and the Old Testament that said, whenever you give your first fruits, like the Lord commanded, he commanded that we give the first 10% to the storehouse or his house. And when we obey that throughout scripture, the blessing of provision is promised. So when you honor the Lord and when you obey him and do what he told you to do with what was already his, there's a blessing of provision attached. And so with that in mind, I challenge you to be obedient today. And maybe you've won that, you're one that's never tithed before, but I pray that tonight you start. Not for any benefit of my own. Remember last week we learned that God doesn't need your money. What he wants is your heart. Well, I want to review just a little bit from last week. Hopefully all of you got to be here last week, but I know there were some that weren't able to. And so like I said, this is part two of a a series called Whose Is It Anyway? And we're talking about God's plan for our finances. Why in the world would I get up here and talk about money in church? We talked about how there's over 2,300 verses in the Bible that talk about either money, wealth, or possessions. That makes it the second most talked about subject in all of scripture, second only to God himself. 15% of all the teachings of Jesus are about finances or possessions, and 11 out of his 39 parables have to do with that subject as well. According to marriage.com, finances are the number two reason, uh, cause for divorce in the United States, number one reason being infidelity. And according to CBS News, finances are the number one leading cause of stress in this country. I know that all of us have gone through some of these struggles with our finances at different times. Maybe you're in a season of struggle right now. Maybe you're in a season of plenty right now. But wherever you're at, my hope is that you glean information from this. And the Bible says that the word of God will not return void. So I want to show you what God's plan for your finances are. Um, They're a crucial part of all of our lives. And we have to remember the words of Jesus when he said that for the love of money is the root of all evil. So we talked about Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's, everybody in it and everything in it. It is all his. And so we have to remember that we don't have an owner mindset 
We need to change our thinking and have a steward mindset. A steward is someone who takes care of another person's property. And so we are not owners. Our kids, our things, our finances, our lives, our bodies, they're not our own. And the Bible's very clear that we belong to God and everything that belongs to us actually belongs to God. The Bible's very clear that we are stewards of what is somebody else's. And so in your finances, if you'll shift your thinking from having an owner's mindset to having a steward's mindset, then you will be on your way to living God's plan for your finances. You see, when you own a house, it's your responsibility for all the repairs, all the upkeep, everything that takes place in that house. If you own it, your responsibility. But if you're renting, if you are stewarding a house that somebody else owns, a landlord, then when something goes wrong in the house, you pick up the phone and call the landlord and they come and they solve the problem. And that's just the way it is with Jesus. If we will take the owner mindset that we've had on our possessions, our things, our family, our body, and we will translate that into a steward mindset, then the owner will begin to take care of us. Now you can be a good steward or you can be a bad steward and that's your choice. And I wanna continue talking about being a good steward today. So number one, God's plan for us is that we are an obedient servant. And that means that we tithe faithfully. We obey God in that area. The second part of God's plan for us is to be a good steward. We talked last week about in the book of Matthew, how Jesus was telling a parable of the talents. And he gave three servants, before he went away, he gave three servants a certain sum of money. And the person who gave five talents, he took care of his master's money. He was a good steward. And when the master got back, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. He said, you've been faithful in little, so now I'll make you ruler over much. And he said the same thing to the second servant. You've been faithful in little, now I will give you more. I will make you ruler over much. But to the person that hid the money in the ground, that had an incorrect view of his master's character, he said, you wicked and lazy servant, depart from me. And so we have that choice, every single one of us. Are we gonna be a good steward? Are we gonna take care of the master's property? Or are we gonna be a bad steward and do things that he hasn't called us to do and not be obedient with what he's gifted us with? I want you guys to turn to the book of Luke chapter 14. We're gonna continue talking about being a good steward tonight. And then I'm gonna get into point number three, the third part of God's plan for, the finan for our finances. And I told you it was gonna be a surprise. So I'll keep my surprise a little bit longer. Luke chapter 14. And we're gonna start in verse 28. It says, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he's laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? So this is saying, who would build a tower but not plan if you had enough to build it first? Who would go out to war without sitting down, having a planning meeting and deciding, do I have enough men in my army to defeat this other king? You see, and it's the same way with you and with me. In order to be a good steward, we have to attack our finances with a plan. And this plan is a, a bad word to some of us. 
And it's been a bad word in my life until I learned to use it correctly, and that is the word budget. I know. But a budget is a plan. A budget is taking what you know you're going to have, your finances that you will earn, and putting a plan to it. Just like this verse says, who would build a tower without counting the cost first? How many of us, and I can raise both hands, have been in the situation where you didn't budget, you got your money, you start spending it and spending it, you get the things that you need, you get the things that you want, and then you get to the 25th of the month and there's nothing left and you've got five or six more days. I have been in that situation multiple times. You see, Dave Ramsey, who is very wise with finances and he teaches classes to help people, he says, a budget is simply telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. And I've been in that situation multiple times wondering where my money went. Like, Lord, you provided this job and that should have been enough, but where did it all go? But when we sit down and plan first and we budget and tell our money where to go, then that's that plan that it was talking about in Luke chapter 14. Turn to Proverbs 21. Proverbs chapter 21. So whether you're already a person that budgets your money or you've never budgeted before, Maybe you budget sometimes and sometimes you just don't. But if you'll think of it as a plan, I think it'll be easier for us to digest. It's just telling your money where to go. I'm gonna start off the month when I get my income by telling my money where to go. Proverbs 21, we're gonna start in verse five and it says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. And when we don't budget, when we don't plan, often we make hasty financial decisions. Like we see that TV that's on clearance and our wife tells us not to buy it. And we think we should. And it's a hasty decision. And the Bible says those hasty decisions lead only to poverty. But the plans of the diligent lead to abundance. When you put a budget together, it's simply adding up your income, how much are we gonna make this month, and then planning out where each dollar is going to go. At the end of tonight, I'm gonna give you some resources. If you've never budgeted before, I'm gonna show you different websites that will not only walk you through with videos how to set up a budget, but they'll give you documents and resources that will help you. If you've never budgeted before, I challenge you to do this. Make a plan for your spending, because that makes you a good steward of what the owner has entrusted you with. And when we plan diligently, the Bible says in Proverbs 21, it leads to abundance. You know what the best thing that you can do is? A budget is great. And I believe that everyone needs a budget no matter what your income level is. You need to tell your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. But there's a story, and Pastor has shared this story several times, so I'm not gonna read it or turn to it. But King David, whenever he came with his mighty men, and they were out in battle, and they came home to their city in Ziklag. They found their city completely burned to the ground. Everything had been taken. Their wives, their children, their possessions, everything was gone. And the Bible says that David and his men wept until they had no more power to weep. I mean, can you imagine coming to your home and everything being gone? And that's how all these men felt. Their entire city was leveled. So... They weep till they have no more power to weep. And then David's men turn on him and they start talking about killing him. They're just so distraught. They don't know what to do with themselves. 
And to me, this seems like a no-brainer. Like, somebody took my stuff, I'm going after them. But David had a heart that he was only going to do what the owner told him to do. He was going to be a good steward, and whatever the owner told him to do, that's what he was going to do. And so the Bible says that David inquired of the Lord. And he said, should I pursue them? Will I overtake them? Will I recover everything? And God said to him, pursue them, overtake them, and recover all. And he did. He recovered everything that was taken from him. But what I want you to glean from that is that when you're making financial decisions, remember that they're, you're making decisions about someone else's property. You're making decisions as a steward. And so begin to seek the Lord. Before you go and buy a new car, seek the Lord. Not only does he own it all, but he knows it all. He knows if the car that you're looking at is going to break down next month. Before you buy a house, before you rent a house, before you get health insurance, before you send your kids to private school, before whatever you spend your money on, seek the Lord. Inquire of the Lord. Ask him, Father, what I have is yours. Is this what you want for me to do? And you know, if you're married, make those decisions with your spouse. The two of you together begin to pray and ask God. And if that's not something that you've ever done, I challenge you to start. And sometimes he'll give you that peace in your heart. The Bible says the peace that surpasses all understanding. And you'll begin to understand, okay, I have peace about this. This is the Lord's plan for the finances that he's trusted me with. Or maybe there'll be that check in your spirit, that icky feeling that you get whenever something just doesn't feel right. And you'll know that that's not the car for me. That's not the house for me. That's not the plan that the master or that the owner has for me. Be a good steward and seek the master as you make decisions. He will give you that peace. I want to share some of the worst things that I think you can do. And then we'll jump over to our third, the third part of God's plan for our finances. Here's things that have gotten me in trouble in my own life. Comparing myself to others. And it's become increasingly easy with social media to scroll through Instagram, to scroll through Facebook, and to see, oh man, the Joneses got a brand new car. I need a brand new car. That kind of thinking is what gets people in trouble. Another thing I think that we should avoid is window shopping. This is something that I am bad about, and I don't shop in windows, I shop online. Anybody just, I'm just gonna look. See, I'm a, I'm a musician. And I like buying guitars. You probably notice I have a different guitar all the time because I sell one and then I buy a different one. But if I start looking at guitars on the internet, it's almost a guarantee I will have a different guitar within a month. Because when you start window shopping, when you start scrolling through Amazon or just, I just want to look around, that gets you thinking and you will buy something eventually. I think the worst, the absolute worst thing we can do is believe two different lies. The lie that you deserve more. Like, I work hard. I deserve more, so let me max my credit card out to buy something that makes me feel happy. Or the lie that more stuff will bring more happiness. And the only thing that brings happiness is the blessing of God. And the only way to achieve the blessing of God is to be an obedient servant, to be a good steward. And the third point, the third part of this, is to be a generous giver. Now, I've been so excited to share with you guys about being a generous giver. This is something that the Lord has been teaching me over the years, and it gets me so excited because when you commit to being a generous giver, 
God will use you like you never thought possible. And you will see the faithfulness of God and you will see the favor of God. And this is what I believe brings the biggest blessing to you when you're willing to take those blessings and hold them with an open hand. So I'm gonna share lots of different scriptures with you tonight. I'm also gonna share some personal stories about how I've been able to give and bless people, but also how people have given and blessed me. Before we do that, there's a quote that I love from Jimmy Evans. He's the senior pastor at Gateway Church in Dallas. And he says that money is like seed. When we spend our money, we are eating our seed. When we save our money, we are storing our seed. When we give our money, we're sowing our seed. Now, all of us have to eat, even if we think about this in the natural. If you think of eating an apple, you're eating what could be planted. Well, you don't eat the seeds of an apple. You get the idea, though. Same thing with our finances. We have to eat some of our seed, and the Lord provides that for us to take care of us and our families. When you save your money, it's storing it. It lays dormant. But when you give your money, you're planting, and a harvest will grow. Look in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're going to start in verse 6. It says, The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever plants sparingly or stingy will also get a harvest back that is sparing or stingy. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And notice that those are opposites. If we're reluctant, then the Lord is leading us to give, but we're not willing to obey. But if you're giving under compulsion, the Lord is not leading you to give, and yet you're trying to give out everything. And remember, we are stewards. So even in our giving, it all still belongs to God. Verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency... In all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Verse 10. He, and this is God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Knowing that it, it, it said he provides bread for food, but it doesn't say he provides seed for eating. He provides seed for sowing. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every good way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So we are blessed to be a blessing. I heard this story the other day and I think it's incredible. It's a true story of a man that lived in the DFW area, and actually he lived right near the DFW airport. If you've ever been there, it's a very large international airport. And his house was right in line with where the planes would take off and land. And so one day he was sitting in his backyard, kind of looking up, and the planes were taking off and landing right over his head, and he was watching the airplanes. And he was asking the Lord about the giving um, process that was going on at his church. See, they were having a building campaign, 
And the pastor of the church asked all the congregation members to pray about how much the Lord would have them to pledge over the next three years. So that at the end of the three years, they would have sufficient funds for their building. And so the man's sitting there watching the planes and he's talking to God and he, he says, God, how much would you have my family and I to give at the, uh, or to pledge for the next three years? And the Lord speaks to him and says, I want you to pledge $50,000. And he kind of takes a step back and he says, did I hear that right? And the Lord says, yes, you did. And then he's thinking, uh, did, did I really hear you, God, or is that just, and he goes, no, it's me, $50,000. And so the man's sitting up, he's staring at the sky, looking at the planes, just thinking about like the gravity of what the Lord had just asked him to do. And the Spirit of God speaks to him and says, what are you looking up in the sky for? Do you think I'm just going to pour down money from the sky? Go in your house, get to your computer, and start budgeting so that you can do what I called you to do. And he says, oh, okay, yes, God, you're right. And so he goes in his house, starts to look at his budget, and he realizes that he's going to have to, you know, dividing it out, he's going to have to give $1,389 every single month for three years. And so the first thing that he does is he starts cutting all the non-essentials in his budget. He cuts his cable, he cuts his Netflix, his Hulu, all of the different things that were like luxury expenses. And he's left only with those things that he really feels like are essential and he doesn't have enough money to be able to give $1,389 a month. And so he, he prays and he, he talks to God about it and what he expects God to say is, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, I didn't realize. Tell you what, let's just do 30,000 instead. But what the Lord actually says, as you probably have guessed, is, well, then cut more because I told you to give $50,000 over the next three years. And so the man starts to cut things that make him a little uncomfortable and he's, he's cutting back his grocery budget and he's cutting back his, he's gonna try to conserve electricity and he's squeezing as tight as he can and he and his wife get to where they can give $1,389 a month. And so for three years, they gave faithfully and every single month they wrote that check to the church, $1,389. And at the end of the three years, the very last Sunday of the church's building campaign, they wrote their last check and they put it in the offering. And the feeling of accomplishment was like, was amazing. They obeyed God. The Lord told them to give this much money and they did it. And so the man's sitting back at his house. Again, he's watching the planes fly overhead and, and he's just thanking God. Thank you for letting me be a part of this, God. Thank you for teaching me to obey and about that time, a door, the doorbell rings and he goes to the front door and it's a representative from the DFW airport. And the person says, hi, we've been commissioned by a legal committee to approach everybody in a certain area underneath the, the flying zone of the airport. He said, increased air traffic has caused us to, to realize that we need to financially compensate people in a certain area. The person said, your next door neighbor does not fall in that area. The line is drawn right between your houses, but you are in that area and we are gonna compensate you with $50,000. And so the man receives this check for $50,000 and you know, after he picks his jaw up off the floor, he goes out in the backyard and he's looking up at the planes again and he's like, God, I'm speechless. And the Lord spoke to him and said, I just wanted you to know that I absolutely can drop the money out of the sky if I, if I want to. <laughs> See, God's faithful. Not only that, but this guy was a, was a working class. I believe he was a plumber. I'm not positive on that. 
But right after that, right after that $50,000 came in, the Lord gave him his very first million-dollar invention idea. And now this man has made or invented several products in the plumbing industry, and he is a multimillionaire. You see, what was a struggle before, now he gives on a regular basis because the Lord saw that he was faithful in the little and he made him ruler over much. See, what the Lord asked him to do was extremely difficult for him and his family. He had to make sacrifices, but he recognized, I'm not the owner. It doesn't matter what I want. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I feel. The owner told me to give $50,000, and that's what I'm going to do. I want to share another scripture with you. Look at the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 12, the very first book of the Bible. And this is about Abraham. And Abraham's one of my favorite characters in all of scripture. He exhibited extreme obedience to God on multiple occasions. The Lord told him to do some crazy things that were extremely difficult, but every time he obeyed. And in Genesis 12, 1 through 2, the Lord's speaking to Abraham and he says, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. See, Abraham had to walk and operate in faith. He had to step out, not knowing what the Lord was going to do, not knowing where the Lord was going to take him. And he obeyed and he stepped out. And then verse 2 says, And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And elsewhere in Scripture, it says all the nations of the earth will be blessed through Abraham. You see, God blessed him with extreme wealth and possessions on this earth, but he didn't bless them for him. Abraham, just like the Scripture says, he was blessed to be a blessing. And I hope that you begin to see yourself as blessed to be a blessing. There was a man, used to go to this church several years ago. And the way that my parents have always treated us is that whenever we turn 16, they buy a car. Now that car gets used and I get to drive it. I don't have to pay for it. I did have to pay the insurance and the gas and all of that, but I didn't have to pay for the car. They paid for it. And I was the oldest in my family and the rule was, I got the car first, but as soon as my brother turned 16, the car was his and I was on my own. So they gave us this little cushion to like start adulting but then once the next one came, that's it, you're cut off. And so I remember my brother's 19 months younger than me, and so I had the car for about 19 months, and then it came time, and he turned 16, and he got his license, and I knew what was ahead. I had to turn over the keys. And I didn't have a car at the time, and I didn't have any money to get a car, and I had to be at South Plains College in Leveland every day. So I'm thinking, God, I... Are there buses that go to Leveland? I don't think so. What am I going to do? And I pray and I ask the Lord, Lord, I need you to intervene. I need you to show me what to do. Well, come to find out at the same time, my mom was praying those same things for her children. She was praying, Lord, my son needs a car. Please, you know, take care of him. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you're going to do something great. Well, time goes on and the summer progresses and school's getting closer and I'm needing that car and it's just not coming in. And one day... I get a phone call, and I remember where I was. I was in my room at my parents' house, and I answer the phone, and it's this gentleman from the church, and, and he says, hey, Evan, he said, I, I need to talk to you about something. I'm like, okay, go ahead. He said, the Lord's been dealing with me for a couple of months now to do something, and I haven't been obedient yet, but I'm, I'm ready to be obedient, and the Lord wants me to give you my vehicle. And so, you know, kind of like the guy with the $50,000, my jaw dropped to the floor, and 
what, what did you say? And he said, I'll bring over the keys later on today. My Jeep is yours. And after I figured out that he wasn't joking, he was serious, you know, I got off the phone and I, was, I ran into my parents' room and I told them. And my mom didn't tell me this part of the story until actually a couple of months ago. I found it out recently. But she was getting frustrated. And she was thinking, Lord, when are you, you going to move? And she, her thought was, you know what, I'm just going to take care of him. I'm going to take care of my son. I'm going to go and, and get this car and I'll make the payments on it and I'll just give it to him. But the Lord had a different plan. And he told her and she was obedient. And when the Lord told that man to give me the vehicle, he thought he was just giving me a car. But at 17 years old, that taught me to trust God. And from the time that I was 17 years old until today, I have never one time worried or been concerned about my finances because I saw the Lord provide for me. I saw how I asked him, and yes, there was a waiting period, and yes, there was a period of uncertainty, but I saw God move in a supernatural way. And so what he didn't know was that he was actually not just giving me a car, but he was giving me a life lesson that would follow me forever. And I got to see him at Men of Iron this past year in April. And I told him that. I said, I don't think I've ever told you before, but, but when you gave me that car 13 years ago, that was a, a marker in my life. And the Lord has brought me back to that moment whenever I had much larger things come up than just needing a car. When I had much larger bills come up that I had no idea where the money was gonna pay, come from. And he has shown me, I'll take care of it. You're a steward, but I'm the owner. I've got this. And so trust God. If he wouldn't have obeyed God, where would I be today? That man obeyed God, even when it was hard. That was his personal car. That was the one he was driving at the time. And he had to figure out something else. But the Lord provided for him too, supernaturally. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 33, and, and if you get to it, put a place marker in Proverbs chapter 11. We'll go there next. Luke chapter 12, verse 33, it says, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And when we take the mindset that we are a steward, not the owner, not only does it make it easier to give and easier to live our lives with open hands instead of clenched fists, but we're storing up in those moments treasure in heaven. See, we're all on this earth for a very temporary time period. The Bible calls it but a vapor. It's here one moment, it's gone the next, but heaven is eternal. And whenever you give of your possessions, of your finances, of your wealth, whenever you take care of other people with it, whenever you obey the owner and as a steward you say, I'll do whatever you ask me to do, God, then we're storing up treasure in heaven. Where moths and rust don't destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal, because where our treasure is, there our heart is also. And it doesn't work the other way around. You can't choose where to put your heart. You choose where to put your treasure and that's where your heart is. Proverbs chapter 11. I absolutely love this passage of scripture. Proverbs eleven twenty four 24 says, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. 
Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessings will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered. Another version says one who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And that's exactly what you do when you give. See, the man that gave me that vehicle, he was refreshing me. He took a burden off of me by being obedient to God. And I know that God has refreshed him in his life. And I love the, the irony that when we give freely, we grow all the richer. But when we withhold and, and hold everything with clenched fists, what we have will be taken away. Because if the owner can't trust you, if you're not a good steward, then why would he bless you with more? There's a young man in our church. And when I heard this story, my heart was so blessed that somebody so young would be this obedient to the Lord. And he was saving up. He was about to turn 16 and he was working hard the whole time he was 15. And he was saving his money and trying to be a good steward of what the Lord had blessed him with. And he wanted to buy a car so that when he turned 16, he could buy a car and take himself to work and take himself to school and everything that he needed to do. And so he's saving his money. He's putting it in a savings account. And by the end of, or by the time he turned 16, he had saved up $3,000. And so with that $3,000 in the accounts, he was ready to go buy a car that would, you know, get him where he needed to be and be exactly what he needed. And he heard the Lord speak to him that he wanted that young man, instead of buying a car, to bless a family in our church with all of it. And so at 15 years old, about to turn 16, this young man had a choice. I've been saving all summer. I've worked hard for this money and I need a car. But I hear the voice of the Lord saying to bless a family in the church with it. Well, that young man was obedient to the Lord and he took all of that money and he blessed a family in our church. By the time that he turned 16, another family in our church decided that they wanted to bless somebody with a car. And this young man, his name came up and that family blessed this young man that had saved up that money and gave him a car free of charge. See, the Lord was saying, you obey me and I'll take care of you. It's like the verse says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You see, it's the owner's responsibility to provide for us to care for us. We don't even have our own ability or our own power to make money. It's God that gives us that. Everything we have is his. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein. So I challenge you today, be an obedient servant. Begin to tithe and honor God with the first fruits of all your increase. Be a good steward. Begin to budget, begin to plan carefully so that you have money that you can be a generous giver with. And anytime, no matter what you've designated the money for, anytime the owner instructs you to give or instructs you to pour into somebody or to pour into a ministry, be obedient and be obedient instantly because he's gonna take care of you. He's gonna provide for you. I have a challenge for you. I challenge you to sow generously. And I challenge you to sow with a happy heart. I challenge you not to sow sparingly, but to sow generously. And watch God do amazing things in your life. Do you know why it feels so right to give? 
If you've ever given anything, it, it feels right. That's because our Father, by nature, is a giver. In the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. He gave everything. Our Father's a giver. We were created in his image, so it's actually in our nature to give if we live by his purposes and if we live with the mindset that he's the owner. So you're actually never more like God than when you're giving. So be a a giver, be a cheerful giver, be an obedient giver. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.